the National Archives podcast series, an introduction to newly released UFO files, presented by Dr. David Clark. Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. David Clark from Sheffield Hallam University. I am the author of The UFO Files and I'm the consultant to the National Archives UFO Project. In this podcast, I will guide you through the highlights of the seventh collection of Ministry of Defence UFO files. So, Dr. Clark, what does this set of files contain? There are somewhere in the region of 8,500 pages in this collection of files, and there are 35 files in all, plus four annexes. And uh, what you've got in this collection are correspondence files and copies of UFO sighting reports received by the MOD. Now the period covered is mainly between 1997 and 2005 but within this collection of files there are also a number of historical files from the MOD's archives and some of these uh, go back to the 1950s, there are some from the the 1960s and from the 1970s. There's a large collection of papers on the uh, House of Lords UFO debate which was the only time that the subject's ever been uh, debated in the, uh, the British Parliament in 1979. And there are also a lot of Ministry of Defence and um, Foreign Office papers on the UN, United Nations debate on uh, UFOs, which, which was held in 1977 and 1978. In the, in the collection, there are 20 files of correspondence. There are five uh, files containing UFO sighting reports received by the MOD between 2001 and 2005. There are two files containing uh, parliamentary questions and inquiries on UFOs, and there is one UFO policy file from 1997, which covers uh, a policy review on how the ministry handled UFO reports and correspondence. And finally, there are seven files containing freedom of information requests on UFOs received in 2005. So what are the highlights of the files for you? Uh, one of the most interesting files for me is uh, is one from 1979 that reveals government concern about the risk posed by the crash landing of debris from space on the British Isles. This file was generated a short time after the um, the crash of the Soviet nuclear-powered reconnaissance satellite Cosmos 954, which disintegrated over Canada in January 1978, and it, it scattered radioactive debris over a quite a, a large area of northern Canada. And this created uh, fears about what would happen if a similar piece of of junk was to rain down from the sky over Britain. And this was at the time when the giant US space station Skylab was decaying from orbit. And although Skylab wasn't powered by a nuclear reactor, it did weigh 75 tonnes, and there were fears that if this came down over the British Isles, that there could be disastrous consequences. So there's a file in, in this release from March 1979 where the head of the Ministry of Defence's Defence Intelligence had asked the Home Office to circulate emergency guidelines to the police, fire service and local authorities all, all across um, the UK. And there's an interesting restricted document in there, um, dated the 20th of April 1979, titled Satellite Accidents. And this spells out the emergency procedures that will be put in place in the event of a nuclear hazard reaching the UK from space. And it also reveals that the Ministry of Defence were keen to examine examples of space debris. They wanted the police to sort of cordon off any areas where, th- where something had crashed and they wanted to make sure that uh, information released to the public was all kept under Ministry of Defence control. 
In the event, Skylab burned up harmlessly over the Indian Ocean in July 1979, and the debris ended up in uh, the Australian desert. But nevertheless, despite that, the Ministry were presented with two sets of, of what they were told were debris from space that had fallen on Britain. One was a metallic object that was found in a golf course in Eastbourne, while another, which consisted of 20 pieces of rock-like debris, had fallen on a rooftop in North Wales and woken a woman at 5 o'clock in the morning. And the, the file reveals that the police divided these samples into plastic bags and sent them off to, uh, to Whitehall. Unfortunately, the lump of metal from Eastbourne on investigation was found to be simply a piece of molten scrap metal. So no alien spacecraft or radioactive satellites in this particular instance. But I just find these files interesting because they throw light upon how the authorities would react if ever in the future there was a crash of something from outer space, whether it be a, uh, you know, a visitor from other worlds or a radioactive satellite. And there's an interesting exchange of correspondence in the files between a, a TV producer and the Minister of Defence. And this journalist was trying to put together a programme on, on uh, this event in September 1967 when a group of students from Farnborough Technical College played a rag day stunt on the whole country. And they constructed a series of six miniature flying saucers, five foot in length, from um, fiberglass resin, um, balsa wood, and various other bits and pieces that they'd found, all in, in true Blue Peter tradition. And they left these things in a line across southern England, from, uh, from the Bristol Channel right through to the Thames. They were left in the, during the night for people to discover early in the morning, and various people came across these things, postmen and people on their early morning rounds, and they thought that these were real flying saucers because they'd set them up so that there was a beeping noise coming from these, uh, these miniature saucers. And, of course, they were reported to the RAF, to the police. One of them was airlifted to um, Aldermaston. Another was blown up. And it wasn't until sort of later that day that, um, you know, the alarm bells were turned off. And, and, and for a period of time, you know, this, this could have been a real War of the Worlds scenario. But the interesting thing about it is, you know, that there was nothing covered up. There was no secrecy involved. All this material was in the press. So it does raise some questions about what really would happen if at any time in the future there was some kind of incident. Would we be prepared? So these papers are very, very interesting from that point of view. And am I right in thinking that there are some files um, that deal with your own correspondence with the Ministry of Defence? Yeah, there's a whole, there's a series of, um, of files, I think five in all, that um, cover my correspondence with the Ministry of Defence and various Ministry of Defence branches from about 1999 onwards. And there are two of these files in this collection. And I, I was one of their more persistent correspondents, as they described as. What I was trying to do at that period is persuade the Ministry of Defence, this is five years before we had freedom of information, that really, in order to sort of put an end to all the speculation about what they knew or didn't know about the subject, that they should basically open up their files and release them. It, you know, if, as they said at the time, that they were committed to open government, this is something that Tony Blair was very keen on in 1997, and this led to the eventual um, arrival of freedom of information. I just said, well, you're constantly being plagued by people who are saying, you know, what do you know about UFOs? What are you trying to hide? Well, why not open your files? So these papers, my correspondence with the MOD, basically chart my attempts to persuade them to release some of this material into the public domain. All 35 of these files can be downloaded from the National Archives website at www nationalarchives.gov.uk forward slash UFOs.
This podcast was recorded on the 15th of February. Copyright the National Archives. All rights reserved.